listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 49 of the Testudo Times Podcast, the Sorry We're Late part whatever edition. Uh, I'll explain why we've been, we're really late shortly, uh, but two people are joining me today to recap about a month's plus worth of Maryland news, and there's quite a bit of it to get to that we haven't talked about on this podcast. First, Ryan Connors is here. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning, Matt. How are you today? Just woke up about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, that happens, doesn't it? You wake it up does. early to record a podcast. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be worth it. Well, persevere, of course it is. Recording this podcast is always worth it. And also joining us today is Matt Allentuck. Hello, Matt. How are you doing? What's going on, people? You guys got to start waking up earlier. Never, no, we don't. Never. Do you really think I'm going to do that? Uh-uh. There you go. That's right. I'm not going to be waking up earlier. Okay. Let me explain why this podcast it took as long as it did and why we had to wait for about a month to hear this podcast where we talk about so much news. Well, we recorded the original version of this two weeks ago. Everything's going fine. Podcast seems to be going well. And then guess what? My audio didn't pick up, my recording software did not pick up my voice. So you would have had an amazing podcast of Matt and Ryan talking with very large, awkward blank spots in the middle. And since I don't like re-recording my own improvised speech, why would you want to do that? Uh, we couldn't record and use that podcast. So I was saying, all right, let's go re-record another edition. Two weeks later, after I've been done traveling and covering soccer, and these guys have been doing whatever they've been doing, writing for SB Nation, writing crazy stories, I would assume, Matt covering the WNBA, we're now finally getting back to recording this podcast the second time. I've never had to wait two weeks to re-record something, but today we do. Strange as it might be. So let's get to all of the Maryland news that you've no doubt heard and you've no doubt probably forgotten about by now, but we're going to bring it back up again because we haven't talked about it on this podcast. I'll start with Mellow Trimble, and I know we've had these conversations before, but we're going to have them again because they're very interesting conversations, of course. So it's been about three weeks since Mellow Trimble announced that he's coming back to Maryland for his junior year, and I don't think any of us were surprised when this was announced Ryan, but it's still incredibly great news anyway. Yeah, I mean, you, it's kind of scary to think about what this team would be without Melo. Um, he really is the difference between them being you know, a fringe team or a team that really isn't even going to make the tournament versus a potential top 20 team like they are now. And uh, it's, just, it's just so exciting that he's back. I mean, when we put up the story that uh, – Mello was coming back that like just automatically became one of like our most retweeted stories that we've had in a while because it seems like with him like I don't know everyone loves Mello so I think yeah yeah well generally if you don't go to Maryland or don't care about Maryland you're probably not listening to this podcast I would imagine but um I'm not doubting anything on the internet <laughs> I'm not doubting um, it Definitely, I mean, it literally helps in every way. I mean, ticket sales are going to be, be better solely because Melo came back, and obviously the team's going to be like a lot better. He, it'll be interesting to see what he's like now that he had to play the distributor for a while last season, but they're going to need him to be a scorer a lot as a junior. 
We'll get to that uh, in just a minute. But Matt Allentuck follows the NBA draft very closely, much closer than Ryan and I do. So he will be able to elucidate on this why Melo ended up deciding to come back instead of going to the NBA draft because at the start of the season, everybody assumed this was it. You know, he came back for a sophomore year, which wasn't really a surprise, but once he did announce that, we thought, okay, this is the last year. This team's going to be too good. He's going to have a breakout season and be a great first-round pick in the NBA draft. Not a lot of that happened the way he hoped for. So, Matt, what ended up being the reason why he decided to come back to Maryland from a draft perspective? Uh, Melo Trimble's been an interesting story, right? Because in Maryland here, we talk about Melo Trimble being the best thing to ever happen to basketball. And, and because he is, of course. Uh, well, to Maryland basketball, of course. And, and, you know, he has been great in his own regard. And I think during his freshman year, everyone thought, okay, Melo's great. No one expected this, but, you know, one and done, goodbye Melo. Then Melo comes back again, and we're like, okay, another season, we got lucky to keep him again, but Melo's gone after this year. And now I feel like we're going to go through the same thing until he finally graduates. Uh, because it's a, a lot of people think it's about the quality of play in college. And let's say if Melo had hit a better percentage of his shots, maybe Melo would have been drafted like as a first-round lottery pick type of deal. But with the NBA draft, it's always about potential and where someone's going to be in five years rather than what they are right now. And the difference with Melo is Melo is only 6'2". He's got a short wingspan. He's quick but not as athletic as an NBA point guard uh, would be expected to be. And those are the types of things that are going to, you know, hold Melo back and going to continue to hold him back uh, as far as how high he can be drafted. Obviously, Melo, there, there, there is a spot in the NBA for Melo, uh, whether it's a starting role or a backup role. There is, you know, eventually he's going to play in the NBA. Um, but him coming back, uh, not so surprising. I think when he went to the draft combine, everyone was expecting it a little more, and still they got a similar performance to what he showed uh, when he played in the Pan American Games over the summer. He sort of was dribbling into nowhere, creating nothing, didn't really get too many good shots off. He didn't really look like a good ball handler when he was expected to play with guys he hadn't played with before and when he was playing against elite competition uh, in front of in front of scouts. and. That was sort of the talk on the first day of the combine that, you know, Melo is one of those guys who needs to go back to school. Him and Nigel Hayes were, were two of the guys that they said, you know, immediately they should go back. And apparently Melo knew that. I was talking to one of his former teammates and they said uh, they knew Melo was coming back a while ago. I know Melo waited till that uh, about 10 o'clock when there was a 12 o'clock deadline. So he had like two hours left before it finally leaked. Uh, I think Melo was trying to see if there was a possible way he could get some sort of guarantee, whether it be a late first-round pick or an early second-round pick. Obviously, him and his agent decided, or not his agent, him and the, him advisor. the school advisor, Turgeon, anyone, um, thought that that you know, wasn't going to be possible. It would be better for him to come back to school. So he knew a while back that he was probably coming back. He just didn't make it official for a while. And now Maryland gets Melo Trimble again. Why do you think the public didn't know that. Like, we had assumed that it was 50-50 most of the way through this process. We all thought maybe we were leaning towards him coming back because of his performances, et cetera, et cetera. But why do you think, if it was so certain to him, why do you think it was never really that certain to us? Oh, Mello is really quiet. And a lot of the times when reporters pick up on these stories it's loud math guys who sort of you know leak certain details which make them lean one way or the other or they speak to a lot of people and obviously as we know Mel is a pretty low-key guy obviously he told his teammates he was probably coming back but 
uh, you know, I think just nothing leaked either way. I don't think it was ever, it, it was just, we were out of the know. I don't think there was anything like going right. on behind the scenes, if that's what, if that's what you mean. I, I, I actually do think, I think that's a great point that Matt just brought up that is like, Mello isn't really the guy who's like, I feel like you're not even, you're not even gonna, no one's gonna like overhear Mello talking about something like that, or he's just such like a quiet, mellow, damn it, oh my guy. God. And, uh, he definitely seems like he like he keeps he obviously we don't know much about Mello's personal life, which is good for everybody. But, uh, you know, he definitely seems like the guy who will uh, keep especially information more or less to himself. Ryan, do you realize what you just did? Yeah, I'm all right with it. <laughs> oh, OK. So let's talk about briefly Maryland's backcourt now that he has returned. We complained a lot last year, many times on this show and many times on Testudo Times, that Maryland didn't have much, if any, guard depth. It was a big problem all season. If we're complaining about that this year, Ryan, I think there are some really serious issues that the Terps have to work out because they have as much guard depth as I've seen them have since I've started following this team. Um, yeah, I'd probably have to agree, to agree with you there. I think the most exciting thing is definitely that Anthony Cowan gives them so many like different opportunities because you can play Mello off the ball now, which Mello hasn't really got to do since he's been to college, I don't think. And for the first time, we have a backup point guard for Mello Trimble who comes into the season like no, like essentially we're knowing he can at least fill out a backup point guard role, which Maryland hasn't really had because. Two years ago, we thought it was going to be Rashad Pack, but Pack was more of a score, scorer and less of a ball handler. And then last year, Jalen wasn't really ready for most of the season, although, you know, he came, he saw some minutes late, but still was never, you know, he didn't enter the season with a backup point guard, which meant Mello had to play more minutes most of the season, even though Rashid Suleiman sort of turned into the backup point guard for a while. But I think the fact that you know, it would seem like we can, that the team can, like, rest mellow a little bit more because you have an actual backup point guard uh, would be, that, that'll that be pretty good because Mello will be shouldering a lot more of the scoring load, probably, you would think. Yeah. Oh, I would think so, too. But, Matt, I want to get to this point before we move off Mello Trimble into other great Maryland basketball news. It's that a couple of years ago, in his freshman year, I think Maryland's offense looked a lot better when it was more guard-focused as opposed to focused inside you know we saw Mello Trimble do what he did we saw Des Wells do what he did and it's not like Maryland's guards aside from you know Mello and Rashid were bad last year but it was just the focus of the offense didn't seem to suit the strengths of the team now because Maryland is not going to be anywhere near as good inside this upcoming season as they were a year ago now it's all back to the guards and I think that suits Maryland's offense better because last year it looked like they ran out of ideas a lot and now I don't think that's going to necessarily be a problem as the team sort of plays more through its strengths. Uh, yeah, this is this season's definitely going to be more established that Maryland is going to be more of a jump-shooting team. They're going to be, hopefully, uh, more of a fast-paced offense uh, like we saw freshman year when we saw Des Wells push the tempo a lot with Mello and they could run out in transition and not have to worry about uh, waiting for Diamond Stone or Robert Carter to run those sort of half-court sets. And and that's what I hope to see a lot of this year. I hope Turgeon kind of ditches his double-big mentality where sometimes he'd play Checo and DeMonte. And, like, those lineups seemed really slow, and the offense was, you know, almost impossible to run with two big guys like that. Um, 
so yeah, I'd like to see uh, that happen much more often. Uh, obviously, as Ryan said, we can see Melo off the ball, which might work to his strengths too. Uh, he came out of high school as more of a scorer and more of a, a shooter rather than a, a guy who facilitates and tries to find, uh, you know, tries to create room in the paint and stuff like that. Uh, so, so that'd be nice. Uh, see a more comfortable mellow, uh, not even have to worry about Anthony Cowan coming in and playing amazingly at first, knowing that Jalen Brantley is more than capable of playing that role if he has to, as we saw at the end of the year with him. Uh, Deion Wiley's coming back. Who knows? Maybe he can handle the ball a little bit. Mar- uh, Maryland's going to have a ton of options uh, in terms of who can dribble the ball up. And options are great, of course, as we saw last year when you don't have options, it ends pretty badly. So let's move off away from Mellow Tremble. Uh, that was announced on Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday night. It was so long ago that, forgive me if I forget that, and then I think it was the next day, maybe 15 hours later, something like that, Maryland finds out, and we find out, that Justin Jackson is coming to Maryland. He was supposed to go to UNLV before all the proverbial bleep hit the fan there, and now Maryland is the beneficiary of that. He's, I believe, 6'8 as a forward, a very interesting prospect out of Canada, so, Ryan, talk a little bit about him first uh, before we get into some of the basketball things. The Turgeon recruiting machine rolls on. Yeah, I mean, um, it's kind of like, I mean, Alex did a whole thing on Mark Turgeon's recruiting and how, I mean, he's been really good since he got here, especially considering two of his classes have essentially been two people and each, and uh this was this Justin Jackson thing could it was just like exactly what Maryland needed because like power forward and small forward were sort of like the like two biggest question marks on the team probably and Matt will get into that more in a sec I'm sure but uh I don't know seems like Mark Trajan just keeps getting exactly what Maryland needs in recruiting and uh yeah, it's just, I mean, it's just surprising. Like, it's literally, like, the number one, it was the number one question Maryland needed answered. And uh, the whole, like, generally, Jackson plus Trimble was, is really what, like, made the difference for this team, what makes them, like, exciting versus, like, what was going to be a really rebuilding season. It took them from a rebuilding team to a, you know, this team might actually be pretty good, although nowhere near the expectations there were last season. So, Matt, talk about... Justin Jackson. I'm using talk about a lot, but it's early in the morning, so I can forgive myself for that. What's Justin Jackson like as a player? Where he's go- where is he going to play? He also comes into that forward group, the three-four spot with LG Gill, the Duquesne transfer, adds a little bit of versatility and help in those positions where Maryland was going to be really light if they didn't get anything, but you knew they were going to get something. So, what do we expect from Jackson as a freshman, considering Maryland has some other options in those positions uh, this upcoming season? I would imagine Justin Jackson's probably the most important recruit Mark Turgeon landed this summer. I would uh, think definitely, so, uh, Definitely, uh, as, Ryan, as Ryan touched upon, uh, Alex was talking about his recruiting in one of uh, one of his posts. And this is probably my favorite recruiting class of Turgeon's past few years that I've been here. I'm, I'm a little upset that I'm going to be a senior and not see these guys actually you know, come to come to full form. But Well, I mean, I uh, don't get to see any of them play in person regardless. So, Oh, there you go. Matt, don't say that. You could be covering basketball for Testudo Times in 10 years. <laughs> oh, boy. What happened to your life if that's the case? Uh, oh, man. Okay. Anyway, what, what's great about these guys with Herter and Cowan and, and Jackson and, and Micah Thomas, these guys are going to be around. We're not going to have to worry about these guys leaving for the draft in one year. So, you know, Turgeon will have a chance to, to really develop these guys. 
with Jackson, uh, the main the main point with him is he's he's about six seven, six eight, and his wingspan is seven three. So we're talking about a guy who's about he doesn't have the same build as Robert Carter, maybe a little thinner, maybe a little quicker, uh, but has that same length that he can defend maybe at the five position, which I've talked about a lot. And I hope Mark Turgeon tries to use him as the big man in some lineups where he wants to try to you know push tempo. With Jackson, uh, he's he's creative for a big man too. He can catch the ball in the wings or in the post. Uh, his post moves aren't exactly Robert Carter-esque, but he's got something there, and he's more of a driver. So he can catch the ball in the wing. He can make a dribble move and get to the rim. He's pretty strong. Uh, he's also a really good passer from uh, from film I've watched, too. Uh, so he can get sort of creative as a stretch position and, and finding guys in corners and stuff like that. Uh, I would imagine Justin Jackson starts, not at the beginning of the season, but towards the end. Uh, maybe he takes, uh, it's presumed, I guess, LG Gill will probably start as a power forward. But I'd really like to see Justin Jackson uh, get a get a ton of minutes and show what he can do. Well, we see usually Turgeon with freshmen, unless they're Diamond Stone. Well, even with Diamond Stone, they usually, they usually get eased in. So by the end of the year, they become focal points. So I, I tend to agree with you uh, in that sense. So uh, quickly on these lineup things, they could do so many things next season last year they were kind of pigeonholed into playing one sort of lineup you have to go big there's not a lot of guard depth for you there this year they could go really really small if they want to they still have michael tchaikovsky and uh demonte dodd so they can go big in defensive sets if they need to of course those two are very very good defensively but i think the versatility of this maryland team is going to be so critical because even in the past couple of years they sort of had one trick and when that one trick ran out they were kind of toast yeah, um, I've been talking about, uh, I call it the death lineup. It's a little too early to see if that'll ever happen. Uh, but Everybody's calling everything a death lineup, okay? Yeah, well, I well mean, Mar- Alex was talking to me about hockey recently, and he called the, when the Penguins played Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin together a death lineup, okay? That phrase is getting overused. Listen, I, I, like, I, like, I like the phrase. It, kinda, it, sounds, it sounds nice and intimidating, but... Playing Justin Jackson at that five, I know towards the end of last season, you know, you said that the the roles were predictable and the lines were predictable, and that's true. And I sort of wrote something towards the end of last season about how Turgeon should possibly, you know, think about bringing Diamond off the bench and starting Robert Carter big. And I think that he can finally fulfill that by putting Justin Jackson there with Demonte Dowd and Michael Tchaikovsky. Both of those guys won't care coming in a bench role. Uh, Demonte did it, even though. He had seniority over Diamond and didn't seem to mind. And even, you know, game by game, they sort of flipped them at times. And DeMonte doesn't really seem to care. DeMonte has his own value as a defensive player and a shot blocker, and he's great at that. And Tchaikovsky does the same thing. Uh, but when Maryland needs offense, obviously you can't play both. And even playing one is sometimes difficult. So playing Justin Jackson at that five and then spreading the middle with, with long wings, whether it be... Uh, Kevin Herter or Micah Thomas or Dion or Jared or one of those guys, you can pretty much fill those in the middle ground. And, you know, having Anthony Cowan or Melo Trimble, both capable scorers, bringing the ball at the point, Maryland has a ton of options if they go small and go quick. And they should do that for, uh, quite a bit next year. We hope they should do that quite a bit next year. We never know what Mark Turgeon, who is sort of set in his ways sometimes, a bit of an ideologue uh, in moments. Now, there was one other recruit that we found out about. His name is Joshua Tomeich, and now it has been about two weeks since we last tried to record this podcast. Uh, have we found out anything new about him in those two weeks? Almost nothing. Nope. Uh, That's great yes. news. Good work, guys. It sounds like he's he's a redshirt candidate from the beginning, but 
All we know is I guess he might know Tchaikovsky because they went to the same place overseas. I don't know. There's not really Fairy much Islands? of this. Uh, I think yeah. it was, but the same, the same, like it was called the Canary Basketball Academy. No, it wasn't. But um, I forgot. It was called honestly, something, something honestly, along those lines. The information and, on him is very limited. That's yes. all I can say. And the information uh, that you can find is stuff you guys can't probably read. And we'll like we were actually we said this on the previously recorded podcast, but I like never hear, of the um the uh like the process finding out information about this guy was like so weird because Jeff Ehrman like reported like hey this guy's signing this guy's committing to maryland and then like someone like a couple like rabid fans unearthed these like this press release from tomaich's uh school saying that he committed to maryland a week ago and it's like and it was like really weird we couldn't figure out like well why had nobody noticed it then eventually uh, i think it was roman stubbs from the washington post reported that uh like they they were still waiting for paperwork to go through something like that, and we were all like we like you barely you could barely find highlights of this guy. Nobody had him like twenty four seven and Scout had basically no information on him, um, which which is just so rare. But I guess that's what happens when someone plays overseas like that. But like finding out information about this guy was like so weird. Yeah, that was one of my favorites. News came out and the and the. I click on it to try to read a story, and it'd be like, Terps sign Joshua Tamayich. He is the fifth recruit. Period. And like that was it. Like, <laughs> was like, like there's just nothing on this guy. So well, I guess we'll have to, you know, see what uh, see what we can see from him in warmups. Maybe. From what we can tell, from what the information, I can read enough in Spanish, but I don't think it's going to really do all that much because it's a press release, effectively. From what we can tell, he's a six eight six nine forward. He's from. Spain. Well, we think he's from Spain. He's going to come in as one of Mark Turgeon's specialties, the Turgeon guy, uh, who comes in from a foreign country, sits out a year or two, and then becomes really good as a big man in like the third or fourth year with Alex Len, Michael Tchaikovsky, Evan Bender, who we expect to do that next year. It's a Mark Turgeon specialty, and the fact that he has got such a good hit rate with that, especially the international players and transfers, I'm not going to doubt that this isn't a a move that isn't meant for the future, but one that could end up being very successful because this is what Mark Turgeon does. This is yeah. one of his little things. Or as I'm gonna, as people are gonna hate me for saying this, his market inefficiency. Yeah, I mean, well, I think the biggest thing is just essentially, I figure they just had what like one open scholarship spot, and they didn't have anyone who they were particularly gonna fill it. So you don't lose anything by giving a scholarship to this guy, and like you know, seeing what he might become. That's a good point, because we were wondering, there is an extra scholarship spot available, and then yeah. we were kind of like, well, well, how are they going to fill it? And we didn't really know how. And this is an easy way to fill it, and then the question's about that for quite some time, which is quite nice. Uh, I also want to talk, Matt, recently you had a mailbag thing on the site, which is very good, of course, uh, because now that we can talk about this, let's talk about it a little bit briefly. Uh, what were some of the questions you got that you want to elucidate upon or expand upon on the show? Hmm, okay, well, if I can take the floor on the draft questions, because I think you, those you know are what? that's what I was hinting at, and that's what I wanted you to do. <laughs> okay, yeah, some of those are, are are definitely the more frustrating ones. A lot of people obviously are quick to criticize uh, Diamond Stone or Robert Carter for deciding to leave school before they had to. 
um, obviously you, you read on Draft Express or I mean, DraftNet or you know whatever whatever mock draft site you use might say that they they're projected to be in the second round and people are complaining if they're going to be a second round pick why not just come back to school uh, this is something I've actually studied a lot because I've been very interested in it uh, obviously the first thing to say is that the, they're just mock drafts and obviously what we've seen in prior years is guys who are expected to go second round or undrafted might get selected in the first round we saw Larry Nance last year who was supposed to be picked in the 50s was picked at the end of the first round by the Lakers so you never really know I would expect Diamond also would be a first round pick still he's sort of projected in that late first round early second round spot uh, but there's definitely potential for Diamond to to be picked in the late first round or even earlier um, one of the points I like to make is obviously when when fans say this guy should have stayed in school uh, they're not thinking about the player they're thinking about their team or, or you know them being a fan uh, these guys are college students also, and, and they've got to make money, and that's why they play basketball. They might love it also, but they, you know this is their this is their main point of, of making money. Uh, for Robert Carter, he's 22 already. He should have graduated had he not redshirted. Uh, Robert simply might have thought, okay, I'm done with college, and I don't want to be 23. Even if he I'm wanted 22 to, 22, and I'm done with college. Well, there you go. So Robert has another year of that, and then on top of that. Robert might be ready to make money now. I mean, I don't know anyone's financial situations. That might be the best move for him. Another point I like to make, too, is something I did for SB Nation, and I sort of picked through data of, you know, how each player performs, whether they come out their freshman year or sophomore year and when they peak. And no matter if you come out as a freshman, sophomore, junior, or senior, it seems to take three years for a player to start playing to their fullest potential. And in the NBA, where guys see less than five years of, uh, of play on average, it's important for these guys to go out and start making money now because they never know when their body's going to break down. So whether Robert comes out now or a year from now, it's probably going to take him three years to get to you know, being an, a league average player, and then he's got to start working on getting that next contract before he gets too old to make more money. It's, it's an age thing. So it's important that these guys come out as quickly, but as confidently, you know, as quickly as they can, as long as they're confident that they can play uh, at an NBA at an NBA level, and I think that both Robert and Diamond Stone can both do that. So that's just something I wanted to touch upon. And um, yeah, I I agree with that, and I think also well, like yeah, you should definitely read it. Matt did some great research there. I think one thing, um, you know, when fans want the want a player to come back, it's not necessarily all, always just because they're being selfish. I think sometimes people, you know, sometimes players all always think, oh well, with another year of college, you know, he'll be even better. But that's not necessarily the case, especially when you're a guy like Robert Carter, who is just this year was essentially the most he's been in the public eye or in the eye of scouts and everyone. And he would have essentially had to, you know, make sure it would have been in a lot of ways a risk just to come back. Right, Matt? No, uh, definitely true. A lot of people uh, do automatically think, oh, if Mel Trimble stays another year, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be a first round pick. And that's what everyone said after after last season. And then obviously we can tell from this year. That didn't exactly happen. And Mello obviously has a chance to make up for that now that he has, you know, two years of eligibility left. Robert, had he played poorly this upcoming year, that's it for him. So then he goes into the NBA and, and he's scouted as a player who's just not that good. And as we've seen from Robert, he's pretty freaking good. I mean, he was amazing at the combine and his stock has probably risen the most out of any of the Maryland players. And, and he went from possibly being undrafted to most likely being selected in the second round at some point. So after all of that, 
so how are and all three of the Maryland players, Lehman, Carter, and Stone, do you think they're all going to be drafted, or is one still going to slip through the net? And, of course, these are projections. We don't know. Especially I don't know because I don't follow the NBA draft the same way Mr. Ellentuck does. So are all three of them going to be drafted, or one or more going to slip through? Uh, I think all three of them are selected on draft day. I was actually talking uh, a little bit with someone who writes for – for Draft Express and who's been watching Robert Carter and Jake Lehman. Obviously, we know Diamond's going to be taken, whether it's in the first round or second round, who knows. Uh, but those second-round players are, are less obvious, and we don't know exactly where they're going to fall. And he had, he had actually projected that Jake and Robert would be earlier second-round picks than what most have been saying. Uh, and I happen to agree, based on the skill set, and Jake especially has been scouted for so long, and I think everyone knows what he's capable of doing. His His biggest question marks are his, you know, energy and motor and you know stuff like that so the skills are there and i think someone's obviously going to be able to roll the dice and take jake some t- at some point in the second round robert was probably again uh, the most unclear but based on his performance and how he's performed in in training uh training camp style uh, uh play with the teams he's worked out for individually it sounds like he'll go too so i would expect all three of them to be selected uh a week from thursday and that's really good news for this program now i should say there's one story that i have draft this sort of uh, when I was going to the Iowa game, we walked in behind a San Antonio Spurs scout who asked, uh, who am I watching tonight? And we said, well, there are a lot of players that you could be watching. And I, I said it on the podcast before. I know this, but I still believe it. Now Jake Lehman seems like a Spurs second-round pick that turns out to be really, really good and smart and prescient. Oh, well. Maybe that's just me and my not-very-educated NBA-ness. Whatever. Nah, you, you know, you know, I'm the biggest fan of the Jake Lamb fan club. So. Oh, I know. We we found that out quite a bit this year. Uh, let's talk about some basketball opponents for next year. A lot of them have now been leaked slash announced. Maryland will be playing. We already knew that they were going to be playing Georgetown, Oklahoma State. They're going to play Towson for the first time in many many years. We know now that they're going to be playing Charlotte and Baltimore because playing in Baltimore is now a thing that Maryland's doing consistently, and that's never a bad thing, even if Royal Farms Arena is a bit weird. We know they're going to play at Barclays Center against, I think it's Richmond first, and then either BC or Kansas State, who are Power 5 opponents, but both are not very good. Of course, as you'll know, BC went over in both basketball and football, which was amazing. Ryan, you had a story from the last podcast about watching the BC's last press conference after uh, their season ended and just being so sad, like, they couldn't win a game out in conference. Oh, yeah. It's the saddest thing you've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, like, especially I'm from Massachusetts, and, like, I read you know, some stuff like the Boston Globe covered it a little bit. SB Nation covered it. And it a just lot of looked, it. It was so, like, I mean, you know, in the end, they're all people, and they all really wanted to win. And losing every game, every conference game, definitely sucks. And I would feel horrible if that ever happened to me. Oh, uh, it, like it looked like you were watching a puppy cry. It was really sad. Uh, so Maryland could be playing one of those teams next year. And then, of course, the big news, and unfortunately Alex Kirster is not here to talk about this because this is the only game that could divide a person's soul. Pittsburgh is playing Maryland in the Big Ten ACC Challenge, which is quite amazing. And don't you worry, we'll be bringing on Sean Gentile for that podcast in November because only he and Alex can describe a Pitt-Maryland game in the detail that needs to be a Pitt-Maryland game. Oh, God. Uh, It's going to be amazing. I don't know if any of you listened to that last podcast we did with both of them, but it was all talk about Pittsburgh. And I, I was like, I'm, again, I'm not from there. I'm from the other side of Pennsylvania, in essence. And those two just sort of kept on talking about Pitt and 
It was amazing. I've never heard two people do that before, but that is going to be an amazing game. And, you know, we talked about this before, and it's it's accepted by now that Maryland's not going to play Duke in the Big Ten ACC Challenge as long as Coach K is around, and Maryland and Duke should play. But we know that other things are at play here, and now that Maryland got rid of Virginia and North Carolina, and they're obviously not going to play those two teams again, there really isn't anybody left from the ACC that you want to play. You know, maybe NC State, but they weren't nearly good enough a season ago to put up against a team that was a five seed in the NCAA tournament and made the Sweet 16. So you're going to start seeing Maryland playing teams like Syracuse and Florida State and crap like that in the Big Ten ACC Challenge because that's just what's left, unfortunately. And it's annoying, but such is the way of life. Right? Uh, yeah. Uh, we, yeah. We, we got a nice game against North Carolina last year, though. Oh, of course we did, and I'm saying Virginia and North Carolina in your first two years in the challenge is by no means bad. No one was complaining about that. But now that those two years are done, you've sort of run out of the good opponents. I think they'll play play Duke eventually. I don't think Coach K has quite as much power as you think he does. Oh, I think he's got way more power than you're giving him credit for. (laughs) I think he's the sole reason why it hasn't happened yet. Because you know it would be big for TV. You know the TV ratings would be gigantic. We, we did yeah. talk about this last time, but I mean, who did who's they who have they played so far? Eventually, they're going to have to play a team that's not, you know, I North think, Carolina. I think my point here is I do not want to play Duke next year. So well, that's, I, a that's the big this one. Is a good point. It's good they're not playing Duke next year, but like, you know, Maryland fans are going to want them to play Duke eventually. Although maybe not, because I think Duke's just actually never going to have a bad recruiting class again. I think if I think if there's any five star recruit that Duke wants, they're just going to get them. So that's just how it how it's happened so far. Again, I don't disagree with that, but I think they're going to have to play Duke at some point. I thought they were going to play Duke last year, honestly, because I figured if they're going to win the national title, they're going to have to beat Duke to do it. And of course, that never actually happened. But regardless of that, uh, some football news briefly. This was again a bit old hat, but it's an amazing bit of news. It's not for this year; it's for next year. Maryland is going to be playing Rutgers, the rivalry to end all rivalries. When they play in 2017, they will not be playing on the beautiful banks of the Raritan River, which, of course, is a lie. There's nothing beautiful on the banks of the Raritan River, trust me from experience. They will be playing it at Yankee Stadium. I cannot stop laughing at this. Hey, I think it's great, you know? Play, if this game's not going to be exciting, at least play it at Yankee Stadium. (laughs) I still find it amusing and hilarious because Maryland is a team that used to play a bunch of stupid games outside of Bird, well, formerly known as Bird Stadium, the artist formerly known as Bird Stadium. I hated the games in Baltimore. I hate that they're playing Texas at FedEx Field. I hope they never do that again. The games coming on campus are way more fun, but we know money drives the bus and you can't make a lot of money playing games at Maryland Stadium when it only seats 52,000, and it never really fills up that way, does it? You know, you know, I think one one neutral site game a year isn't that isn't that bad. If the uh, if the team's good, if the team's good, the fans are going to go to that. They went. They, there was like not. There was a good amount of fans uh, when they played West Virginia back uh, a couple years ago, and then there wasn't a lot. There weren't a lot of fans this year because they weren't winning. Of course, that's true. But uh, they also we also have some game times for the first couple of games. They'll play Howard at noon the first week. That's on BTN whatever yeah. and then they're going to be playing a friday night game against fiu on cbs sports network that seems so maryland in 2016 doesn't it play uh, a conference usa team on a friday night in a cable network that very few people have i know i'm, I'm hoping we get it do we we just got we got you the, don't get uh, that on sports... cable down in college park or no, on we got cable. we got the special sports package so oh, did might, you might get it. 
You oh, yeah. will get that then. Sweet. Well, I guess the good news is that CUSA just signed a deal recently with BN Sports, which is a channel that even fewer people get and only I know about because I watch it. Like that's like a British soccer channel, man. It is not a British soccer channel, but it's a soccer channel. And I can only imagine Ray Hudson doing college football analysis. And I'm just going to leave it at that because that is an amazing thought. Uh, briefly before we end this show, I do want to ask the readers and listeners of Testudo Times and this podcast for some help. This show, we don't want to go another month without doing it, and we're going to need stuff to talk about during the dead period that is the summer. We'll have the draft stuff in the next couple of weeks, but after that, we're going to be kind of picking and choosing things to talk about. So what do you want to see us cover, and what do you want to see us talk about on this podcast? We can bring in more Maryland media guests, those who cover Maryland, those who went to Maryland and have Maryland experiences. We can talk about individual things in basketball and football recruiting. We can do position groups. We can go watch old games and talk about that. That would be a lot of fun. Whatever fun. you want to see us do. You can let us know at Testudo Times, at Matt's Music's Ones. You can post in the comments on SoundCloud or on the Post or in the Maryland Minute, what have you. There's plenty of places you can do that. We want to get you guys back involved with this show because I hated that this show was off for a month because of technical issues and schedule issues and whatnot. So while you start thinking about that, we'll end this show. We'll have one certainly maybe after the NBA draft so we can talk about where all these players went and Matt can – wax lyrical about where all of these players are going and how they fit in but until then matt it has been an absolute pleasure to have you back on it's been a while for you as well of course absolutely thanks and ryan thank you and thank you all for putting up with the two-week layoff while we waited for this podcast to get re-recorded the pleasure was all mine oh there you are you were on a little bit of a delay there so thank you for listening enjoy uh the beautiful weather now that the summer's coming on and of course remember graham zussi he scored a goal at the copa america centenario and as i tweeted that goal was forged in college park maryland never forget that and maybe he'll score against ecuador which would be equally amazing but of course go terps